Hello and welcome to Can I Ask You a Personal Question with Will and Dan, the podcast series that brings you in-depth interviews with entrepreneurs, all in the time it takes you to drink a cup of tea. I'm Luke, the producer, here to say thanks for downloading. If you're enjoying this podcast, please feel free to give us a rating or a review as it'll really help us out for the future. And without further ado, here's Dan and Will. Enjoy. Will, who are we speaking to this week? It's a man called Peter Hargreaves, a billionaire. He's the founder, co-founder of Hargreaves Lansdowne. Yeah, so he's a billionaire. He donated a lot of money for Brexit. Uh, so he's a big cheese and a bit of a legend in the um, investment area. Uh, he also thinks he should be considered a tech billionaire because Hargreaves Lansdowne, although it started out as a newsletter type thing, it's mainly a website now and he he kind of says he kind of came up with that idea i've interviewed him before went to his house he's got a very nice house near bristol which yeah i mean actually considering he's a billionaire it was a really really nice house but i think um i can't remember the detail of it but i think the knocker was broken or something which is the sort of thing that surprised me a little bit but it was a really nice house and he was very hospitable um He's very charming. He said he liked me, and I think that's what gave me the um, the confidence to ask him to come on this podcast. Possibly our only billionaire in series one, I think. Really? Um, oh. I think so. I went with the photographer, and it was pretty funny. It was a really cold January day, and the photographer was kind of walking around and taking photos and stuff, and Pete Hargreaves was, was explaining to me something about Brexit or politics or something, I think, and um, he just kind of stopped mid-sentence and said to the photographer, excuse me, you really are distracting me a lot, and made him go and wait outside, or uh, sorry, asked him to go and wait outside, um, but he did, he did offer him a cup, a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, um, but I felt quite bad for the photographer because it was a really cold day. Um, mm. and yeah. Did the photographer take it personally? I don't think so. I think he wrote it off as banter. Okay. I think it's fine if when he joins, we say, uh, just so you know, obviously we're recording this. Already recording, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that we've invited him to join a podcast sort of implies there will be an element of recording. Yeah, I don't think he's got anything to hide. Uh, Peter Hargreaves has entered the waiting room. I'll just wait a couple of seconds to make it seem cool. And I'm admitting. Hi. How are you, Peter? Yeah, you're both handsome brutes, really, aren't you? <laughs> I think it's really good to get that all cleared up right at the start of the conversation. Starting in 1981, you started, was it in your, your Bristol home that you started the business? Was it? Yeah, I was a bachelor at the time. Hmm. And uh, Steve wanted offices straight away. He said, if you have offices, you've got a commitment and you go in. And, and I said, I agree with you, Steve. But I said, let's I have a spare bedroom. I'm a bachelor. It's no problem. Uh, why don't we start in that and just see how it goes? Because then, you know, we, we want to spend a lot of money and, and, and everything. And his wife, when we started, was seven months pregnant. Uh, so so we did that. And, and after nine months, we, we, we moved into offices. I've, I've always said, I don't know whether his wife, Maggie, was very shrewd and sensible or mad. <laughs> but anyway, she backed us fully. And you, you and Steve, would you characterise yourselves as friends or was it always a very professional relationship? What was the dynamic? We are very, very good friends. Mm. But 
we did have more or less a purely professional relationship. People are astounded to know that myself and my wife and Steve and his wife, we probably never went out as a four more than 10 times in 40 years. And actually, on reflection, sometimes there are decisions to be made and sometimes there might be situations where you might just be in, not in agreement. And if you're very close to each other in each other's pockets and friends and all the rest of it, it's sometimes quite difficult to put your point of view very strongly. And same for him. And I think, I think it was a healthier relationship that we didn't socialise. Entrepreneurs kind of struggle to maintain a work-life balance and hear lots of stories about divorce. How were you able to both do that to you know, be incredibly successful entrepreneurs while also, you know, having happy families. I'll tell you the secret. Mm. The secret is meetings. Don't have them. <laughs> In most businesses, huge amounts of time is taken up having bloody meetings, which achieve nothing. If you don't have meetings, you can work nine till five and do far more than companies that have meetings. Mm. Meetings are the scourge of business. And you know, you know meetings are bad because the civil service, the public sector, live on them. And they yeah. are the worst run operations in the world, everywhere. Mm. And that's what they're all in meetings. They have meetings to arrange meetings. They have arranged meetings. And, 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 and there is only one meeting that's allowable. There's only one meeting that's allowable, and that is when somebody is going to talk and tell everybody what they need to know. No questions. This is what you need to know. End of meeting. Discussion meetings mean you're going to have a bad decision. You're going to have a bad decision. And, and so, so the guy that's got to make the decision has to be empowered. He must have the empower. Every single person that ran every part of my business was totally empowered. They could make decisions, big decisions. But in general, if they came with the, with the, with the thing, I, I mean, I did understand the business from top to bottom every second, every, every, every bit of it. And I would normally, within 20 seconds, say, okay. Interesting, so no meetings whatsoever, even between yourself and Stephen? Yes, the same thing. If he was gonna do something that was major, uh, or spend a lot of money, he'd walk up to me, my desk and say, Steve, Peter, what do you think of this? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, carry on. Or I'd say, have you thought about it? And the same thing. It was, but the, the meetings were two people, mm. not not 10 people around the bloody table. Because that, so, uh, and, and, you know, I always used to, if I, if I ever saw a meeting going on, I used to go and bloody join it. And, you know, every single meeting I ever joined, I just walk in and sit down at the table. Do you know what everyone, somebody would say in that meeting when I sat down? Well, finish then. We'd all stand up and walk out. <laughs> yeah, you won't, you won't read that in any management books, but it's born from the experience. I like that. If, if, um, if, 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 if a big company does it, or it's in a management book, do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that approach. I like, they all have HR business. departments. They allow HR to bloody recruit. The most important thing in your business, you should recruit, or the department head should recruit. Never let bloody HR recruit, ever.
Mm. Having a clue what's going on in the business, they're all completely, totally useless. <laughs> Seriously, so, I absolutely did, think HR departments are the worst thing that happens in any company. One thing I'd love to ask you about is, uh, it's clearly a tough situation at the moment and there'll be a lot of people running small businesses or entrepreneurs who are struggling. Um, what advice would you give them if they've never been through a recession before with their company or even in their career? What would you be telling them to worry about now? What should they be doing with their time? What should they be saying to their team? Slash costs. Slash them. Question every damn cost on the profit and loss account. Seriously. Slash costs. Look at every single one and say, do we need to spend that on that? And, and it's also a very, very good time to perhaps find a few people that aren't really fitting in terribly well. Um, you know, it's a good time to, to say to somebody who actually, either they're a lazy devil or they don't fit or they're incapable or whatever. Because the best businesses will always end up with a few dead legs. <laughs> And, 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 and you've got, you've got, you've got, to, you've got to tell them goodbye. Cause, cause one of the, one of the most difficult overheads in many businesses is, is payroll. And, but it's one you can get rid of. <laughs> I think the fact that you're getting rid of useless people is good. It's when, it's when big businesses get a rid across the board, you know, ask people to, Last in first, uh, yeah, last in first out. And, and actually, that's an easy cop-out. But in those last in, they may have got several really, really good people, really keen and ambitious, and people have been around for four or five years that are pain in the ass. That's where you should hit. And great businesses get rid of the dross and keep the good. Bad businesses get rid of the easy option, last in first out. I have this saying, and this, this, this should go up in lights, this. Pessimists prevail. Optimists fail. People say you've got to be optimistic in business. No, you've got to be pessimistic. You've always got to wonder what the downside is. What can go wrong? There's a great entrepreneur in Ireland. Everybody hates him, hates him. Michael O'Leary. Now, you guys might not have heard of Michael O'Leary. He runs a business called Ryanair. Yeah. And he's a controversial character. He really is a controversial character. And he, and he, he pretends to do crazy things like charging for the loo on planes. He never did it. But, but he gets so much publicity. Yeah. But at the, the end of the day, he's a great businessman. And, and EasyJet used to hate him especially when he presented his accounts. Because every time he presented his accounts, which were sparkling, he used to be doom and gleam, oh, well, these are quite good, but this is the problem and this is the problem. And he's a bloody pessimist all the time. But, 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 but actually, it, it doesn't go wrong because if you're looking at the downside and what might go wrong, you're going to do a downside better than, than people who are always optimistic all the time.
I once had a horse running in in, in Dublin, well, yeah, mm. on, on the Curry, in fact, and it was it was many years ago, and I, I didn't have a I didn't have a private play at the time, and and I was too mean to charter one, uh, but I was going to do, and uh, my my wife, my silly wife, had sent my passport off for renewal, and and you you needed you don't need a passport for Southern Ireland as a as a Brit, but you do f to fly on my on air, so I actually wrote to him and said. Is there any chance you can relax the rule? He actually wrote back personally. Didn't know I was, <laughs> but he wrote back personally. And he said, I run a budget airline here. He said, we have to be completely the same for every single person. And that was it, he signed it. Thank you. Wow. And, 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 and brilliant. And, and actually, it so happened that my passport arrived with a couple of days to spare. And so we went on the internet and we managed to find a couple of seats on one of his planes. And uh, afterwards I wrote to him and told him, I said, hey, I don't know why people moan about your planes. I said, it was exactly as Bill. I said, we were herded on like cattle. The plane set off on time, landed on time. Everybody cheered, nothing went wrong. Brand new plane, fantastic. I said, if anybody complains about Ryanair, tell them to try British Airways. <laughs> Would you consider politics a hobby of yours? Because um, I know, you know you've dabbled in the um, well, the last election and uh, Brexit, well, obviously, as well. Or is I that have, not a hobby? I have very strong political views. Um, and I'm, I, I am far right of any political party in this country. Um, I, I don't believe in the nanny state. I, I believe the least government's the best government. I'm a strong believer that... that I've always said, if you give a government £10 in taxes, they give you £1 back in services. 90% of it is wasted. And so I'm a great believer in, 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 in not having a nanny state. Uh, I, I would have been a great believer in telling people the facts on the coronavirus and letting make up their own minds whether they want to work. In terms of the coronavirus situation, um, I think I read an interview you did not too long ago where you were saying um, that we're, we're encouraging investors basically to, to dig in um, and stay strong. Would that be your advice now? Would you have any specific <clears throat> advice for people investing in the UK or, or anywhere else? My problem is that anyone when they're out of the market, they never know when to go back. I, I, I tell this, this is a true story. I had a client and for 20 years, he agonized about going into the market or not. And when the market went up, he thought he'd missed it. And when he went down, he thought he'd go down further. And he ummed and awed for 20 years, never went in the market. If he'd have put the money in the market at his highest peak in the first five years, he found it around he would have made a fortune. But but people, when they're out, have a huge quandary about when to go back in. I have that quandary right now. And one of the reasons I never sold Harvey's Lansdowne shares in the past, I thought, what the, hell will, what the hell will they do with the money? History has shown that sticking with it is normally the best result. You, 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 you might get out fortuitously, but you won't get back. And anyone who tells you they did is normally stretching the truth, I think. Mm. And, and I, I mean, people that trade in and out don't do well. So that's, that would be your, your advice now, stick, stick in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in, stay in.
there's not yeah. a lot you can do about it. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't think the shenanigans are over. I, I think as people, as people realise that perhaps it's going to be more serious to the world economy than, than, than the stock markets are discounting at the moment, yeah. um, there, there will be more waves of, of, of volatility in the market. But they won't get back in at the bottom. There'll be a volatile moment and, and they won't get back and they'll find the markets above where it is now. Would you encourage people today who are out of work because of our current recession to go on and start a business? Would you say it's a good time to do it, to take a risk? The, the best time to start a business from scratch is during a recession or times of strife. Now that sounds really, really stupid, but think about it. All the businesses that are established, they are the ones that have got the problems. They've been successful businesses. They're probably overstaffed by a huge amount. Uh, they've only known the good times or they've been living in the previous, you know, recent good times. And suddenly things are bad. You know, like the coronavirus, I think will be a huge stimulus for new businesses. You're in a business and you make widgets, or you're in a business and you sell this, or you're in a business offering this service, and the firm you work for does the same thing. And that firm you work for is in real trouble because of the problems that this pandemic is causing. And, and so you can set up, you've probably got contacts, you know, you know some of the better customers and you can service them. The firm you're with can't service many because often staff are not going to go into work and you can service these guys. So setting up in a bad time is, is good because, because mm. your competition's soft. Your competition is running around just trying to sort themselves out rather than carrying on running the damn business. So Peter, I think we just we just want to ask you a few more questions. We've just got a very quick fire round. I don't think anything, any of it's too controversial, but we'll see. Uh, Boris Johnson or Donald Trump? Boris Johnson. Football or cricket? No opinion. Yeah. What well, do you, do you like? Any any? Oh, I golf, think I, I think football probably football. Let's say football. Yeah. 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 Uh, email or letter? Email. Coffee or tea? Depending on the time of day, that really. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, scone <laughs> or scone? Oh, it's a scone. <laughs> uh, beer or wine? I think if I had to give one up, it would be wine, so beer. Mm. What's your favourite beer? Funny enough, uh, San Miguel, the Spanish beer. Mm. Winter or summer? Oh, summer. Yeah. Cowboys or aliens? <laughs> <laughs> oh, aliens. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're in the, space, in the space business, of course. Uh, and then, final question, Will or Dan? What, you two guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He already well, explained I, it at the I, start I, that I he really, didn't I, I really don't know Dan at all. The, the, only, the only plus mark is that he, he's kept quiet and listened, which mm. proves he's, that's a sensible thing to do. Thank you. We'll go to Dan then. <laughs> Take a deep breath, Will. What did you think of that? Yeah, I thought it was really inspirational, actually. He's a really interesting guy and he's clearly achieved a lot. He doesn't pull his punches, does he? Absolutely um, not, no. He's got some strong opinions. 
no meetings. I think the HR community is going to be put into a rage when they listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Do not ever employ anyone who works in HR ever. Yeah, it's quite well, categorical. And also never ever have a meeting. Yeah, uh, but yeah. It, but he, <laughs> did, he did kind of um, clarify that to say never have a scheduled meeting. I think he, like a lot of the time, we would call this having a meeting now perhaps, but to him this is just chatting on a Zoom. It's not a meeting. Yeah, but I think those are the two bits that stood out for me. Um, no meetings, no HR, HR's um, yeah, yeah, those are probably the two most controversial opinions um, I don't know, a lot of interesting stories from his life as well. Yeah, I quite liked his advice on why now's a good time to set up a business. Or do you think if you were were to, you know, around the time when coronavirus was kicking off, if you were in the early stage of setting up Quantico, or actually even better question by Will, well done Will. Okay, so you're at PwC still, but you handed in your notice, um, so you got a three month notice period. and you're going off to set, off, set up this business. Someone says to you, Dan, at PwC, your manager at, at PwC, yeah, Dan lad, how's about you sticking around? Because if you go out there now, you're gonna, you know, you're not gonna do very well. What do you do? Well, firstly, and I know that's not exactly your your career path, but say you were at PwC, because yeah. Firstly, I'd just like to say that, that is a very good question. Thank you. Um, and I think relevant to a lot of people in this period who have been, you know, on furlough or suddenly found themselves with an opportunity to start something new. Um, I mean, I really don't feel like I have the, the life experience to answer that question. Um, yeah, you'd, but certainly, it's, it's, you'd certainly it's, have to be very brave to pick uh, the deepest economic recession since records began to launch your business. And if you have the choice between a time where uh, there's a huge amount of growth and a time where there's a huge amount of recession, you'd be absolutely mad to pick the recession. So objectively, no, I think it's a terrible time to start a business. I'd actually disagree with him there. But by necessity, perhaps you might have to do it. Like, I mean, I can only talk of our own experience. Um, we kind of went around in the last few months and tried probably a half dozen extra things because we thought, well, growth isn't what it used to be. We obviously need to try something new. And entrepreneurs, I think, are often often react in the same way. They just think, well, right, we'll try something new then. And we worked really hard at all of those things and nothing really went anywhere. And now it's like you flick a switch and there are clients queuing up again and we can't take them on fast enough. And I can't claim the credit for that. It's just the economy has recovered or business confidence has returned. And to suggest that you'd be better off starting a business in a period where nobody has any budget to buy anything, I think you'd be pretty mad to be honest. Okay, pretty mad. Yeah, I went, I went from being non-committal at the start to just thinking, yeah, fuck I, like it. It. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to do a Peter Hargreaves and act as if I do. Great. I'm looking forward to interviewing you. <laughs>